just a moment for prayer. Father, we thank thee tonight from the depths of our hearts for this wonderful gathering together in Christ Jesus here in Chicago. We pray that you'll bless our efforts that we put forth to try to represent thee to these people. Seeing this cold blizzard tonight outside and people have come from a long ways and gathered in here tonight to be healed. Reading your letters through the daytime and hearing their pitiful cry for help stirs our hearts up. I'm sure you see them when they write the letters, you see them when they arrive, the feeling it makes me have and the answer back. Everything that we can to try to help. Bless our efforts tonight, Father. May thy spirit be here and may it approve of all that we do. For we ask this divine guidance upon everything. In Jesus' name, amen. And be seated in the Lord bless you. I am doubly happy tonight to be here at the auditorium. I see we got some letters here. Somebody gave them to Billy Paul, and he always gives them to me, and we appreciate it. And somewhere before start tonight, I noticed when I'm making this missing prayer sometime that they lay these letters up for me to lay hands on them. I want to pray for them individually before we give them out to them. Anything that we can do to help you, what we're here for. It's to try to help you to love our Lord Jesus with all your heart. I was just looking down at the recording artists down here, a whole pit full of them tonight taking these recordings. Well, that's mighty fine. We, um, we are, would like to just stay a long, long, long time if we could in Chicago. Just, we're kind of a little handicapped this time. We have to go back to the church. The this auditorium is pre-rented. And we're kind of having it a little rough, but we, Brother Joseph and I were talking about it today, and he's making arrangements for another meeting right away. As soon as we can get back from where we're starting now, we'll go to Hot Springs, Little Rock, and to another um, city, Port Lubbock, Texas, Phoenix, Arizona, Los Angeles, Tacoma, Washington, and then from there to Calgary, Edmonton, Grand Prairie, Dawson Creek, and then perhaps to the, the conference in overseas, if we can get back on that time, because I guess everyone knows he's to be a little fellow born at our house pretty soon and has to take place in the month of March, or May rather, and we're, I want to be around home at that time. Now, as soon as that's over, God willing, I, I just got to go back overseas. I, there's something in my heart, I just can't stay away from it. Every day, I try to control myself to say, look here, Billy Brown, you got to stay home, see? You, you got to. But just something down in me says no, and, I, and I, I can't help it. I just want to show you something, friends, if you understand. <clears throat> Chicago, we just say Chicago, just like this is all over the United States right here. And it is one of the best places. I have nothing against anywhere. They're all lovely everywhere I go. People love me, and that big welcome you had a while ago, I just miss you feel down in my heart. My, I just wish I could just sit down with you and stay forever, but I can't. We, I'm not a boy, and there's a lot of work to be done, and I can't do it all, but I got to do my part. See what I mean? And I'm going to say this, and I, if I'm wrong, 
God forgive me. But I'm saying it with all my heart. Uh, America, uh, nation, nationally speaking, isn't ready for a revival. They may have done past that day. Uh, I was just noticing Brother Joseph this morning trying to talk to me and say, well, Brother Branham, when you come back here, he's there, said it. I don't say it's because this little Swedish brother of mine sitting on the platform. No, sir. But I love him. Many of you know what I've been through to hold our fellowship. Not because of he and I, but the outside world. But Joseph Jose is my buddy, my brother in Christ. He's got to do something worse than what he's ever done to change my opinion about him. I love him. And so I, I appreciate him. And by him, he just comes down, sets down at the house, and drive all the way down there, or fly on a plane or something there. I'm just a grand. <laughs> the little kiddies are getting a room that really ain't caught that broken. English, you know, and we, uh, we need you in Chicago. The people up there love you. When you go come give us another meeting, you see, he just stays right with us. You, you can't turn him down. You just might as well say, all right, brother Joseph, go ahead. I, I'll be there because he just he just stays right with us till you have to come almost. And so, um, and, but I, I really like him. And we were sitting this morning talking. I said, brother Joseph, he said, but brother Dan realized, said, just think, last night, Twenty souls being saved at least, and that's not the evangelistic count, but anything to be more than that. Twenty people come to Christ. I said, why well, said Brother Branham that people have a revival and one comes at a night time? Look how they brag about it. And here twenty deep convicted conversions come doing and crying. See, as they've seen the working of the Lord. I said, yes, Brother Joseph. God knows how I appreciate that. But see, right here we've been at one night to services and just swap that service right around and lay it down in South Africa. Lay it over in India. Lay it down in the islands. Down in South America. You know how many souls would have come? That's right. Around 5,000, maybe 20,000, 30,000. See? It's the same thing. Just the same thing. Well, many of those places have never heard of Christ. A lot of these brethren that go in with these campaigns, they go to people who have some kind of conception of Christ, like maybe Catholics or Lutherans or so forth, and they teach. But mine, I preach out where you never hear of Christ. See, they've got to have some kind of conception of God for the phenomenal. See, the gifts don't make any difference where they never heard of Christ, where they know nothing about the Bible. It knows just the same, you see, because it's God, and that just it makes the people, it's the phenomenal of God, and they say, my, my, what's he talking about? How do you know who I was and what I, what's wrong with me and where I come from and who's my people and all these things? Well, where'd that come from, you see? Then they see. Now, the brethren that just preaches the gospel, which is the initial and wonderful way of doing it, now they can pick up these others, you see, like that. But I love to come home and shake everybody's hand, spiritually speaking, <laughs> and then, because I'd like to shake everybody's hand back to you if I possibly could. But then in the meeting, and wonderful spirit, but I want to ask you something. The preaching that took place in America in the past 10 years would be enough to convert the whole world over and over again. You know that. Just look at the advances that stuff across the nation. Look at Billy Graham and Jack Schuler and, and uh, Jackie Burst and all, all those others and Earl Roberts and uh, the many of the great advances that just crossed back and forth and through the nation, combed back and combed back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And when you call a meeting, it's just like 
the crust is set. The Christians come now and then, we'll pull one from here and there, you see. But it just looks like it's just kind of a place where you can't break through the people somehow. They'll come for the first two or three nights. It's wonderful. They see the phenomenon of God. They hear an evangelist, a good preacher, like Oral Roberts, Billy Graham, or some of those brothers who can really preach. They rejoice at it for a few nights, but it's all over. And the phenomenal of the working, the Lord working, it looks at, it's wonderful. And then they, well, it didn't wear it off in a day or two, you see. see it just looks like we, there's just something over our beloved nation. I think our civilization is trying to a place, God staying back and forth and God getting the Christians together like that. But I believe if the revival strikes, it'll strike in the heathen land. Right. I believe it with all my heart. See, they don't know nothing about it. They don't know any of the documents and the theologies now. People teach us this, that, and one said, now let me look. See, what makes that is a skeptic. We look at it in the paper. I must think you people, you're my brothers and sisters. But the outside world, Chicago picked up the paper. Strange things, phenomenal, these things taking place like that. Well, that's Dr. Jones said that remember psychology. Well, my pastor said it was a devil. I had nothing to do with it. Others did. I mean, that time look at all some religious quacks. You all like that. That's your attitude. But you throw that same thing in one of those foreign papers, the whole nation turns to see what it's all about. See? There you are. That's the difference. See, they haven't been coming doctored up like we all are. And things. And I call you here tonight to eat that. Right. You're lovely and wonderful. And you've helped me. And you realize that that's the end of where those thousands, times thousands, and thousands receive the gospel. At one time, receive Jesus Christ, people who were pagans and heathens, do you realize that you financed a big part of that meeting? You people sitting here tonight? You did. I come back half meetings and do just I can get a hold of enough to get back over there and get to them poor little starving people hungry and nothing to eat and laying on the streets and in such a condition as that. And this big, and in this one thing, they see one outstanding thing of the Lord's mercy. They get up all their wheels and walk away and throw down crutches, and you just throw down on the floor and pick up the things before you got in, like that. Like that. They just pile them up in big piles and things like that and take them out of stretches, and they don't need them anymore. Just something strikes them, and they believe it, and they just go right on. See? And that's the reason Christian things, that I'm going around trying to see my friends and, and not to pick up money. That isn't it. To visit my friends. I perhaps tonight, if I really look desperately in me, I could go to two or three men sitting right here in this audience, and they'd send me over to India. But that, that ain't the way I want to get it, see. I want to get the nickel from this and the dime from that and the 50 cents from the other, see, like that. And then the whole group has something to do with it, and, and I have a little rest in the farm field, come back, and start off again. You get what I mean? All right. And I love you, and I... There's no secrets, there's nothing at all before me, anything that anybody wants to... Well, it's all in the boards. I tell the people everything that I have, every penny of money I get, everywhere I go to, and there's my records from Uncle Sam, there's my bank, and, and there's my family, my home, clothes I get, people giving to me, so there you are. I don't need money as long as people get to me. I get have friends and all the money. So that means that all the money belongs to me, because I got the friends, you see. And the friends of Christ is my friends. And I am a friend to the friends of Christ. And so that's the way I get along in life. Wonderful, wouldn't swap it for him, $10 billion. Hey. I really have it. Oh, my. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
and my expenses run 30. I send out thousands of letters a week, and there have to be prayer uh, cards bought, and by stamp money runs hundreds of dollars a week, and we send them to foreign fields and all over the world and everything. Five in the office, working all the time, and you realize what that is. When I'm not out on the field, there you are, banking up and banking up. The banker told me, said, that's all right, Reverend Dan. If you're overdrawn, just let it go. You'll take care of it. That's my life, too. <laughs> so, I just, so it makes things fine, and I just can live by faith, that's all. Just by faith, and it's the greatest thing I ever knew in my life, is living by the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing he loves me and blesses me. And taking of money, if I had kept one hundredth of the money that's been offered me, not what I asked for, I never. But the money that's been offered me, I'd be a multi-millionaire. Well, you know what? That gets in trouble. I'd really just take day by day, day by day, this way for the Lord. What I have need of tomorrow, He'll provide tomorrow. That's right. And then, uh, see, if you get, then you go to trusting in your riches. Then you go to, if you got education, you trust in it. If you got a lot of theology, you trust in that. I don't have theology, education, personality, money, or nothing. I just love the Lord and trust in Him for everything. That's all I have. And, uh, that's where I want to live. That's my choice of living that way. Now, God bless you. And oh, you're such a lovely people here in Chicago. And I'm seeing that maybe we have to have just a few nights down our auditorium here. We someone has spoke for it ahead of us, and that's just that's what they deserve. They, we don't want to compromise with it. But now we want the the next few nights of again instead of preaching. I just want to give a few little uh, exclamations of the word, and then run the prayer line just as long as I can stand on my feet. And, because I'm getting lots of letters, the people are here are saying we we can't stay much longer, Brother Dan. Now we have no way of knowing about who will get prayed for in the night. How do I know how many out there could be healed tonight? But well, I don't know a living soul as far as I know. Of. Can't see one person in the audience that I've knowingly have ever seen before. I know some of these boys sitting here. These some of them from well, from my church and. Uh, down Jeffersonville, but I'm in friends, personal friends, and uh, but I don't know no one out there. Now, how do I know where that angel of the Lord's going to hang tonight and show a vision over somebody that I know nothing about? Perhaps Billy Paul, uh, he comes down this afternoon, tonight, rather, to give out some cards. And I suppose he did. He probably got about a hundred cards. They're out there. Only thing he can do is just mix them up together and give them to you. And he, he don't know where the, the prayers go, the numbers are going to be called from, I don't either. I don't know whether you can call in or not, see? And, uh, and uh, don't make any difference whether you have a prayer card or not. The only thing I'm trying to do is just get you to believe the Lord Jesus Christ. We really, you don't have to have prayer cards. you notice there's more healed out in the audience than there is some to that point. But, I, but it does limit my strength. Now, the other day I understand that someone who knew me real well it said, as far as me getting weak, and that weak in me was just a faith. Well, God forgive the man who said it, see, because he didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> he doesn't know. And uh, it is not my dear beloved friend. Physically speaking, I thank God for good health. Very strong. And I'm a hunter and live in the mountains and woods. And by the grace of God, pretty sad. 
and so then um, I've rode horses and things all my life and been pretty well hard worked all my life. And as far as physically speaking, all right. But just, I could stand here and preach to you all night, still preach, but let one of those deacons happen, and you can almost get ready to pat me out of the platform. And that's just, it weakens me. Why? I don't know. But the scripture says that it will do it, and it does do it. That's all I know. So, good Lord bless you now. I'm going to read two places in the scripture here just for a little farther talk. Perhaps not over 15 minutes, and call a prayer line so he won't keep you up too late at night. Now, one of them is about uh, both places will be pertaining to the redemptive name of Jehovah. And one of them is found in Genesis 22, 7th verse. And I was taken to Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Jeremiah, my son. Jeremiah. And he said, Behold, the fire. And the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide a lamb for the burnt offering. So they went both together. And in the 14th verse, we read, And Abraham called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh. That is to say, To this day in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And then over in the Psalm, the 64th Psalm, the first verse, it said, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Now, from here we want to, to make our quotation. And now, I have written out on an envelope here that it said, the seven compound names of Jehovah. In other words, it was what Jehovah is, is made up in these seven a redemptive names of his. Now, God, his attitude towards the people from Eden back to Eden is wrapped in these seven redemptive names. The first one being Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide a sacrifice. The second one is Jehovah Rephi, Lord the Healer. And Smashers are Banner. Thorn are Peace. Ra is Shepherd. Uh, the righteousness. And Shannon, the Lord is present. Now, the Lord, Shanna, S-H-A-M-M-A-H, Shanna, is the one I'm going to speak on from, from Psalm 64, and Jehovah Jireh is the first one, and this is the last one. Jehovah Jireh is the Lord will provide a sacrifice. Jehovah Shanna is Jehovah is present. Now may the Lord add his blessings to these as we speak for just a few moments. Now, Jehovah Jireh, when God appeared to Abraham, the first name that he appeared to him in is found there in Genesis 22 where he appeared to him in the name of Jehovah Jireh. Now Abraham received the promise from God as to be the heir to him would come a son, and through the seed, his seed, would be heir to the world. And through Abraham's son, which is Isaac, through Isaac come Jesus, and Jesus brought in, issued in the Gentiles, and which forgive all nations, the white man, the brown man, the yellow man, the black man, all people, back redeemed, back showing that this is the last age. This is all. 
There will not be any more ages after this. This will be the last age that God will deal with people as mortals. And if they had a revival in the time before the Andalusian destruction, before the coming of Christ, they had a great spirit, and what about the fulfilling of all of it? What will take place? Look at the days of the apostles, worse than the Gentile age is being issued in. Look what a revival they had. How from all over every nation they come, and miraculous things taking place. Look at the days of Noah. Now this is the end time, right in the very shadow of the coming of the Lord Jesus. Some good news to announce to you. Leo, did you all bring up that, that film, did you? I've got a film that reconverted me almost, and that will be shown here Sunday afternoon, is that right? Yes, they'll tell you when it's going to be shown. I want you to be sure to see it. And it's one of my own films. A man gave it to me, Brother Ardendyce, uh, one of the representatives, the Christian businessman, and he gave me the film because I loved it so well, and I haven't got a projector to show it with, so I want to see it again myself. It's the Concerning the Jews, Returning to Palestine, two scholars speaking on a plane, and you'll certainly enjoy the picture and to look at them. And every prophecy, everything that I know of, that I can see in the scripture, has been fulfilled, already waiting for the coming of the Lord. And as I said last night, I believe that the coming of the Lord Jesus, second coming, is past due, already past due. And like it was in the days of Noah, the long suffering, God waited, not willing any to perish, and he's just waiting, waiting now with his long suffering, that is coming already past due, waiting to get the church in order so the second coming can take place. What about that, friends? What kind of people ought we to be to realize that this day may be the last day that we'll ever be mortal? Tomorrow we may be immortal. This is the only day we may ever have in our life, the last meeting we'll ever set together and work for the kingdom of God. How ought this meeting to be conducted in our time? With the very highest of reverence, that all of our hearts believe to the Lord Jesus to give us every soul that's here that isn't converted, to help do something that will cause the unbeliever and the lukewarm to look on and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. It would be a selfish thing if a man's heart isn't out to save his brother, there's something wrong with his heart. No matter what condition, if his brother hates him, if his brother is against him, if his brother is tired and he can't stand out, yet that man's heart fools for his brother. He can't help it. There's something in there that just calls out, oh, my brother, you're wrong, but I, I want you to be saved. And therefore, you try with everything that's in you to get your brother to believe with all his heart and come into the kingdom of God. Now, that's the kind of a meeting we want to have every time. I preach to, to hundreds of thousands. And I preached to just four or five people, but I wouldn't be any more sincere with 500,000 than I would be with five people, because one soul is valued to God as 10,000 worlds. Now, before redemption could ever come, it had to come the Lord Jesus. And before the Lord Jesus come, God way back there, that just, that just makes the Bible so perfect to me. God back here even before the Lord Jesus come for 4,000 years and everything he done down through the Bible typed it up to Calvary. Just think of that. 
that everything in the Old Testament pointed straight to Calvary. All the plans of redemption, all the names, all the symbols, all the worship, all the tabernacle, all the wood, all the everything in the tabernacle, everything spoke of Christ. Wherever you go, whatever you do, that God was back there in those Hebrew prophets and so forth, speaking and speaking to that time of protection that when Jesus would come to perfect the believer. Just think of what that means, friends. Could you ever stop just a moment? I, I wish God would open our eyes tonight. We, we are really, friends, I would desire, if I know that I could live longer and live at my regular time out, I would like to come under the anointing of God and never leave it till He takes me home. See? To see how that works and, and it changes it, how what a different world it is. What a different inspiration. When you get under there, you find things that you, you just, it don't seem right. No wonder it makes you happy. Now, while you're up there, you just, you can move mountains. Or when you're down here, you feel all right. Just coming between the two is what makes it. That's why you just like dropping off the earth. And you're coming from a supernatural realm down to a natural mortal man again. Well, you're immortal all the time, but your soul has been so anointed with something that's lifted you way up above the things. You're in a dimension that the world knows nothing about. There's only a trying to explain it. And we all say tonight, as we are sitting here now, we are simply blinded to the things of God. I'd imagine if our eyes could come open tonight and look around over this audience here, and would see stationed around here the angels of God standing looking down on this audience at this time. Yeah. Maybe flying back and forth through the audience here, from the throne of God standing here. Maybe standing all around on this platform here, angelic beings standing here. Oh, you say, preacher, you're getting all off the line. No, I'm not. Rock oh, and go to work in a few minutes and you'll find out where we are now. See? You can verify it by the evidence that they're here. You say, well, if they were here, we could see him. Oh, no. You could be totally blind to him. Elijah, down there when he's at Dawson, he prayed God to open Gehazi or his servant's eyes. I don't remember how we had Gehazi. And I've called it two or three times and checked it up. I'm, we look at the scripture. I don't know whether it was Gehazi or not. But when he asked God to open his eyes that he might see, all around him was angels. The mountains was on fire and angels were fire. Church of fire. See? It was right around him. And notice, now Elijah went out there and smoked those Syrians blind. Yeah. What kind of blind was it? They wasn't blind, it was natural blind, physical blind. They were spiritual blind. Or he walked out and told them, are you looking for Elijah? They said, yes, we're looking for him. He said, come in, I'll show you where he's at. And Elijah leave them. And brought him right down and ambush of the, of the of Palestine army there, and they just run out and call him like a trap like that. And they were blind. They didn't know that was Elijah and Elijah himself leading them. Don't you believe that we are, or could be spiritual blind tonight to the things that surround us? Look at going to Emmaus. Their hearts were full of love. Sure they loved the Lord Jesus. They were going along the road saying, oh, if we would have only, oh, if I, if we could have just seen him once more. There he is, he's dead. We hoped in him. Here it is, a Sunday morning. And they tell us all these fairy tales and go along the road and accept the very Lord Jesus. So why are you troubled? Yeah. So are you a stranger? <laughs> See that? Blind? So are you a stranger and walk with him, eat with him, and slept with him for three years and six months and walk him by his side and didn't know it? 
They walked on there and said, Are you just a stranger here? I said, Don't you know we hope that Jesus of Nazareth would come and he would be the deliverer of Israel and all these things? And Jesus said, Fool, slow at heart. You know what the prophet said? And he went back in the scripture and looked out after hearing him teach to them for three years and six months. They would recognize his teaching. But they didn't. And he walked out and said, He got back to this form when they went into the hotel to stay all night. They stopped in the little hotel and uh, they had gone to the dining room to eat. So they said, Won't he made like he'd go on? He said, Won't you come in with us? And he said, Well, well, perhaps so. And walked in. And the waiters come around and give them their menu. And they looked it over and they ordered their stuff for, for their supper. And when they set it out on the table, Jesus said, Well, I guess this has gone on far enough. So <laughs> he just picked up the bread and blessed it and prayed, and he opened their eyes. Yeah. And they looked at it, like being here all the time. And he bent, he got out of his sight. You know what I mean? Oh, I would just like for that to soak way down deep to where you'd really realize it. Why you seem nightly working movies? Why you did? Certainly, with all the evidence is proven, the scripture said he would do these things. And here he is doing it. I know there is today, has been through the ages, moving right down among us, doing things that we wondered about. Right. Did you notice? Did you ever see something just come out of an accident almost got killed? Now, how is that? That's the hand of the Lord. He bobs me here and there. Here, some time ago, a woman said to me, she said, she's just been healed of a place, uh, she had TB first, and, and then she didn't, she was raised in a church that didn't believe in baptizing, and she said, I think that my uh, Franklin is all right, or foreign, whichever they did for her, and said, I think that would be all right, I said, I see you, and I said, but I'm uh, believing immersive baptizing, and he said, uh, she said, well, I don't think, and she said, I just think the world of Brother Billy said, but I don't think that their idea had to go up in that pool of water and be baptized. I don't think that ought to be done. But after I've already been sprinkled or whatever it was, so I don't think it has to be done. So, it was all right with me. She felt all right about it. I only tell her what I see in the scriptures. And she went down and got sick again. A big lump cut on her shoulder and she had a fever of 104. She just got her, her Bathrobe on and come on over while I was preaching to Brother Brandon right now, if you please. <laughs> and I baptized her right then. She was over the river about a month after that. There's an old woman sitting on the street, and she held out her hand. She said, Kind lady, would you get me a, a dime for something to eat? Poor old thing sitting there shaking, her face all drawn in. Or she looked in her pocketbook, and she only had a dime, that's what it cost across the river. So, she didn't know how she'd get back, but she walked the bridge. And there's 10 cents on the bus, and her little daughter's going walking along. She walked on down the street, and the Holy Spirit said to her, said, Why didn't you give her that dime? I gave everything I had for you. <laughs> she said, Yes, Lord. <laughs> right back she went and said, Madam, forgive me. She said, I'm a Christian. Said, The Lord told me, said, God bless you, honey. And she gave her the dime, walked on down the street, said, I don't know, I walked the bridge only a mile, so I was walking across that side, and it started down where the bus station was. The little girl said, Look at that, mother. Early to die. That's the law. Don't you believe that? See? Now, when he appeared to Abraham in the farm, 
He said, uh, Abraham, I give you this little boy, Isaac, just a sweet little chap of about 15 years old. Don't tell his mother, but I want you, I'm going to make you a great blessing out of this boy. I'm going to bless all nations. I promised you this for 25 years now. And you've waited till Isaac's born. Now, I'll tell you what I want you to do with Isaac. I want you to take him up there and kill him. I go to your home back in the mountains to a place where I'll show you, and then you kill him back there. Well, uh, Abraham didn't question God. <laughs> he knew that God promised that through that boy he would bless all the nations, and if God was going to bless him, whether it was dead or alive, he'd do it. That's all. And it had to come through there, so God was able to keep his promise. So he got up the next morning, got a couple of servants, a saddle little mule, and him and the boy and the servants, they went on back, and way back, three days' journey. Think how far that was back, way back in the wilderness. And then they looked up and saw a mountain way away from there. So they went to this mountain, and he told the servants, Now, you watch the little mule here, for my boy and I are going up this mountain, and we're going to worship, and the boy and I will return. The boy and I will return. He's going up to kill him. How's he going to? He didn't know. But God had promised. Somehow, see, God lets his servants sometimes get right down to the last step. Now God comes on the scene. Don't you just love it like that? Just to see that crucial moment. Like the, in the Hebrew children, the fire furnace, the last step of the road. And there appeared one like unto the Son of God. Is that right? The woman with the blood, she had spent all her money, all she had, and constantly the doctors could do her no good. She'd probably mortgage her place or sold it and sold the horses and the, everything. She had nothing left. She spent all her money for the doctors, and the doctors had tried hard but couldn't do her no good. And at that crucial moment, then Jesus come along. <laughs> Just like in business. There was a little drive, he believed in his heart secretly. And he had sent to the doctor, and the doctor done all he could do, and, and just then his little girl had died, and they laid her out every the darkest time they ever seen, and Jesus come along. Just in that crucial moment, Mary and Martha, after leaving the church in Lazarus, and they believed on Jesus, and Jesus walked away and left them in a crisis when the boy was sick, and then the boy got sick and Jesus left. That was horrible. They sent for him, he wouldn't come, he went farther. And they sent for him again, he still didn't come, and that was still worse. And then, after all hopes was gone, then Lazarus died, buried in the grave four days, already decaying. And the darkest hour, all hopes gone, everything else, then Jesus came along just at that time. Here's disciples going to Emmaus, all hopes gone, their master was dead and everything, walking along the road, discouraged, going on back home, walking back to their feet, nets, and wherever they were going. Then Jesus come along, yeah. and just like that, the way God does it. Now way back, and now they just had maybe take probably forty-five minutes or to an hour to walk up this hill. Now Jesus had to come somewhere right quick, because he had the knife on his side, Isaac had the wood on his back, his pipe and the fire in his hand, and he was going up the hill to kill his own son, because God told him to, and told him he'd bless all nations through that son. Making the promise, first he had to wait 25 years to get the son, and I'll turn around and kill him. So he made them the promise double. God had to give Abraham the trial. We'll never know the trial that Abraham stood till we meet him in glory. That's right. And then up the top of the hill, then he got up there and laid the altar of the rock fountain, and he said, Father, he said, here is the little eyes, he said, here is the, the fire, here is the wood, and 
said, well, where is the sacrifice? Why, well, he said, son, God will provide for himself the sacrifice. And then he said, God will provide the sacrifice. So he tied little Isaac's hand, stood him up on the altar, pulled out the knife, and I'd imagine that old daddy with his only son, loved him the way he did, over a hundred years old now, and his hand laying across the, his, his hair as he pulled his little hair back to dish into his bosom this big knife, the very heart of his being, a sign that God was in Abraham. <laughs> did you notice that? Look at David when he's dethroned by his own people. He went up over the Mount of Olives, looking back and crying because he was rejecting his own that he loved, Advent, had run him off the throne. And then his own trusted man was throwing rocks at him. And he walked up the hill and looked back over Jerusalem and cried because he was rejected. Eight hundred years later, the son of David, Christ Jesus, rejected in the city of Jerusalem by the ones that he loved, wept over Jerusalem. It was Christ in David. All the old things in the Old Testament, we could just take hours of showing how it all drifted back to Jesus Christ. Everything to him, and in him lays the fullness of redemption. In him lays every redemptive name of Jehovah lays right in him. All salvation rests right in him. All deliverance rests right in him. All peace, all satisfaction. You can never be satisfied with the world's good. You can never be satisfied belonging to a church. You'll never be satisfied until you found satisfaction in Jesus Christ. It's not the only way you never be satisfied. Now, he comes to bring perfection. Now, when he said, and look at Abraham just a moment longer, and as he started to throw the big knife into his son's heart with feeling, because God, uh, the angel of the Lord, spoke from above him and said, Abraham, hold your hand. And he looked around, and there was a little ram caught by his horns in the vines on that hill. Where'd that ram come from? Now, the first thing, he was three days' journey from civilization, about a hundred miles. The next thing is way up on top of a mountain where there's no streams to get it water or food, up on top of the hill. And here, impossibly, for a ram to be up there, first thing is too far back out of civilization, the next thing is on top of the mountain, and Abraham got the ram, untied his son, and tied the ram, and offered the ram as a sacrifice. Notice, it wasn't a vision. Blood poured from the ram. What was it? God, in a type, spoke Christ into existence in the ram, took his life, and he went out of existence just at the same time. Jehovah Sarai, the Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. No matter when God took at his word, God is there to meet his word. Jehovah Jireh. Just one more little thing. Now, the Lord is our refuge and strength, a very present help in a time of trouble. And in the redemptive names, S-H-A-M-M-A-H, Hama, the Lord is present. Now, Jehovah Jireh will provide. Jehovah the provider is present. You get what I mean? Yeah. If he is the Lord's provided sacrifice, then he's got to be the Lord God present in a time of health need. See what I mean? Yeah. Now, 
If he is here tonight to save everybody from sin, he's got to be present tonight to fulfill the rest of his redemptive name. He's Jehovah Jireh, uh, Jehovah um, Raphael, Jehovah our, Jehovah our provided sacrifice, our healer, our banner, our peace, our shepherd, our righteousness, and his presence. He's got to be all that right now. And the last thing, as the last one of his redemptive names that he appeared to Abraham, he said, I'm Jehovah, the provided one, to provide a sacrifice, provide the way, whatever it is, God will provide it. And I am Jehovah that healeth thee. I am thy righteousness. I am thy peace. I am thy shield. I am thy banner. And I am ever present to perform it. Amen. You see what I mean? Every present to performance. I, the Lord, have spoken. I, the Lord, have planted it. I'll water day and night. Let's come to work from my hand. Just a little story, personal. Or if I stay here much longer, I'll be preaching, and maybe the prayer line will be what it should be. Notice just a moment. This scripture meant a lot to me one time. Many times, but this one particular time I want to call your attention to it. It was the year that I was married. After I lost my first wife, and I'd been single then for about five years, I married the lovely young woman that I have now, my wife. And we were poor, and I married her just at the time when I'd had enough money to take my vacation of about twenty dollars to go up to the mountains a hunting trip. So that was our vacation. Now, honeymoon together. So, she married a person that likes to hunt. I like the mountains. I like the outdoors. By the way, some lady sent me some artificial fishing bait that her husband made. If you're here, sister, I want to thank you for it. I certainly use it, God helping me. Now, I love the outdoors because it's alone that I'm drinking in to give out when I come in. I went up in the Adirondack. And I was supposed to hunt up there that year with the ranger. So I love to, to bear hunt because it takes lots of skill to do it. And I, what makes it? My grandfather was, uh, to me, was the best hunter that ever lived in the Southlands. And he, he trapped and hunted all of his life. Smart school teacher and hardy Indian. And he, he loved the mountain so he couldn't stay away from it. Well, that's just what. I think the whole thing poured out to me, and I, I like it, and I love the mountains, feel at home, and I, a fellow can get to a place where you feel self-sufficient on things like that. So then up in the Adirondacks, the ranger wasn't there, wouldn't be up for two or three days. There wasn't that been much storms to run the animals down, so I went up there and just built a little lean-to and hiked my wife up the mountains. We drove her out of the city, we was about 25 miles up on top of Hurricane Mountain, where a year or two before that I got free bear one year, and then I was away up there with this woman, girl, 22 years old, and I was 30, and so we was up there, and Billy Paul then was about six years old, I guess, about his first year in school. Well, the little fellow is very small for his age, and so he was taking care of him, and the ranger wasn't there. It looked like, honey, it looked like it might come a storm, so I said, honey, 
before the ranger comes and we're going to hunt bear. I'm going to sit down along with these old choppings a few years ago. They chopped out some timber in here. And I said, I'll, I'll go over here and I'll get us a deer and come back and we'll have some fresh venison. And um, he said, well, don't be gone too long till I have your dinner ready. And I said, all right. And that night had been awful cold. We just had to put Billy right in peace and hold him like that keep from freezing. She'd never been in the woods before and didn't know much about it. And she liked to throw sure enough, sleeping on pine needles. So he went out. The next day, I took my little old rifle and walked down this way. Well, I thought I was too good a woodsman to ever get lost. So I'd been in the woods all my life, and how you couldn't turn me around, I said. So I went down this way to those choppings, turned back, seen a lot of deer tracks that looked like it was all sharp toes and so forth being doors. So I went on up over the mountain up this way. I heard something moving in the bushes. I listened close. And I heard it had four feet moving, but it wasn't a hoof. It was a padded foot. I thought, wonder what that could be. It's pretty dark, back in a bunch of evergreens. I had to look, and a, a line crossed the path like that. And it's too quick, I didn't get a shot at him. I thought, well, I'll just step on up this way and come down along the other side, and I'll be in below Harrison uh, uh, Mountain all the time. And I said, then I can always look back to the tower because it looked like it might come a storm pretty soon. So I, I went on and on and on this way. I thought I kept whipping a, a bear somewhere. I kept smelling for him. I thought he's near here somewhere. He's probably staying ahead of me. So I kept walking on like that and watching the grounds. A person that ever hunted, you just don't walk through the woods with a gun on your shoulder. You walk through the servants with the leaves and all these lots of things before I see. So, and watching along close, not paying attention where I was going to come up on a hill, turn down this way to the left. I thought, well, I'm just going right down a little ravine here. A lot of jagged uh, places like that. And I got down and slipping along real easy. I thought, that bear is not far from here. And I found a big old cave. I slipped up over this cave to keep him coming right up to it. Here's the bear was sleeping. So I come around this way, and there's an old empty cave. There was nothing in there. I thought, well, he's been there. So I slipped back down the hill and went around again. Come back. I see some bushes across the canyon move. I watched real close, because a lot of times bears anting. They love ants because it's sweet, and they throw their paws on, pick them up on, and lick their claws. So I watched close, and there's a great big deer come out. And I thought, well, my, I'm a long way from home, but that's just the one I want. So I was shooting the deer. I went around and thought, well, now I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll sit right back. I said, look at here, take the one o'clock. Well, I said, he'll, he'll be waiting for me. So I stuck up the canyon, this uh, little water rippling like this, and I stuck right up the canyon just as hard as I could go. I had to look up, and I said, hey, I'm going to have to hurry. That storm's getting in here close, and it gets down foggy, and then you can't see nothing. And I started walking, walking, walking. I said, now, let's see, I turned off along here somewhere. Kept looking, looking. First thing you know, I walked and walked and walked, and I thought, say, that's a long way, but I never asked him where I come out. The first thing I was, uh, is trout perspiring, and I took my old red handkerchief out and wiped the perspiration off and looked around. That hung my deer. I said, what did I do? I didn't turn around and come back. Well, I said, I missed my place, so I started off again. And I walked and walked and walked and walked and walked, watching on the right-hand side, because I knew I turned from the right-hand side. I turned left, and I had to turn back right. But then the storm was down in the bushes then. So then I walked and walked and walked again. And the first thing you know, I got real tired. I thought, well, I'm watching close. I still know just where I come off where that little knoll because the mountain started off like this in a saddle, and I crossed over that saddle and then down and up. Of course, couldn't see the mountains then ahead, away from us because it was too, too far here. I could climb up on a high place and look around. But it was fog. I couldn't get into it. And it was spitting snow and stuff. So I went a little farther around like this and had to stop and look, and I was back to my deer again. Now, the Indians call that the death march, or the death walk, rather. You're on a knoll or a flat place, and you're walking in a circle. 
No compass, no nothing. I never took a compass to woods. I, I just thought I was too good. I, I couldn't get lost, you see. God had to learn me some things. So, uh, uh, some brains in my head to let me know that I wasn't self-sufficient. I wasn't as good as I thought I was. And I kept walking around. I come back to this here. I did that three times. And I knew I was lost. Well, I, then I got shaky. It was then about 4.30 in the afternoon, nearly 5 o'clock. From getting dusty, almost dark. I thought, mercy. Now what will I do? My wife's all weary. She'll die sure as we're going to have baby both these mountains tonight. Now if it would be myself, I, I decided to find that bear again or got me a place somewhere and hibernated up for a day or two. That storm was over. See? Now, I want to use a little illustration here. For myself, I'd have went to that cave or under some rock somewhere and got me a fire and some wood down and never tried to find it because it was foggy, but I couldn't do that then. It was an emergency. And I knew that my wife never in the woods in her life until the night before that. She wouldn't know how to get more how to make a fire than, than nothing. And that little boy, they'd die to his world because they'd probably go way in below zero that night. And they would be scared to death and they might try to prowl through the wilderness somewhere or go frantic hunting for me or something or screaming and, and it's hard to tell what would take place. And I know if something would let out a yelp up there, they both would think sure enough. And I know there's a line right in that section there. So I said, oh my, then began to get real friendly. I got shaky and nervous. I said, wait a minute, William Branham. What's the matter with you? You gone crazy? And usually that's just exactly what happens. You get frantic and you, they find you laying somewhere over a ditch or where you stopped yourself or something like that, the hazards of the woods. And I said, here, yeah, you're too good a woodsman. You ain't lost. What's the matter with you? And I sat on a rock. I thought, now you think you're lost, don't you? But you're not. I said, well, that fog don't mean nothing to me. Why, sure, I can go right on, certainly. I said, now, let's see the wind coming right in my face. If it's coming in my face, I've got to turn back this way because the wind was in my face when it come up, and I'll be going right for that. I thought, I saw right on up. I said, sure, I'm all right. Kind of bluff myself. See? Make myself believe that I wasn't lost, but I was lost. And, brother, that's the awfulest feeling that anyone ever had. If you're lost tonight, I sympathize with you. That's right. Being lost, not knowing where I was going, and an emergency on. If there ever was a time that there's an emergency on, brother, you better seek refuge while you can. You're lost. You better hunt for the beacon light tonight. There, I kept on walking. I come to some low place where it was sobby. I said, now, surely I couldn't. You couldn't see no, you couldn't see no peace. Just the winds are blowing through the trees. And what I've done, I got way down in the giants, and I didn't know it. There's a section there called the Giants Virgin Forest, and I didn't know that. And I said, oh, if I could only see Hairpin Mountain, I would know which way to go. I thought, well, in that storm coming down, it's hard telling these mountains now that wind can twist and shift and come anyway now. So I couldn't depend on the wind, and I know that. Now I'd sit down on a rock again. I'd say, now, you're not lost. You know where you're at. Why stand still? You know where you're at. But all the hunting and woods ability I had was gone. I'm telling you, I was actually completely lost. But I tried to make myself uh, uh, pluck up to it because I didn't want to get frantic, you know, because I knew my wife and baby would die that night in the woods if I didn't get to them. That's all. And I was miles away from them and it was getting dark. And that storm blowing. So I walked on a little too far and something said, Now, Billy, get next to yourself. Get next to yourself. You know you're lost. And I said, no, not me. I'm not lost. I'm going just exactly right. I'd hit up against the hill. And I said, no, I'm not right. I'd go back this way. I said, well, I never used to see this before. Where'd this come from? 
I feel myself shaking. I perspiration run off of me. I said, now there's no need of fooling yourself. You're lost. And there's only one thing to do, that's admit you're lost. Well, I thought I am lost. Now, what if, if it wasn't for my wife and baby, I'd go over here to one of these pits and find me a place, like I'd have to sometimes, and stay there to tomorrow, next day, or whenever the storm's down, then I'll climb up to a high place, look around, see where I'm at, and go on out. But you couldn't do it then. The fog wasn't moving. Well, I started walking, and I said, well, I've got to take some way. I don't know east, north, west, or south. There's no signs of snow against the trees. You couldn't tell the sides of the bark or anything. There's a moss on the trees and everything. It's flat anyhow, and moss is on both sides and the flat. So then I'll, now, now what can I do? So I started walking, and I said, now, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go right this way. I know this is the way I come. I've got to make one solid streak because I'm, I'm walking in a circle. So I started walking on, saying, yes, sir. I believe, I believe that I am, I'm going just exactly right. And I, I, I was saying that to my lips, but my heart was telling me no. So I kept hearing something whispering in my ear, the Lord is our refuge and strength, a very present help in a time of trouble. I thought, now I'm getting frantic. So I walked on, something said, the Lord is our refuge and help, a very present help in a time of trouble. I just kept on walking on. It got louder. The Lord is our refuge and strength and a very present help in a time of trouble. I kept moving on, dragging my gun along. I was so tired, Daniel. The Lord is our refuge and strength. That was Jehovah Tamar talking to me. And I, I was moving on. I thought, oh, God, I'm lost. I'm lost, Lord. I, I have no compass. I have nothing. But I said, I still have you, Lord. I kept talking out loud. I thought, wait a minute now. You're going to get out of your head. You're going to get frantic. You think about your wife dying tonight and that baby. I said, Lord, I'm not worthy to live, but don't let them die. And I heard that again saying, the Lord is our strength and refuge, a very present help in the time of trouble. I set my rifle down against the tree, pulled off my hat, laid it down, knelt down on top of my hat. And I looked up and I said, God, I'm lost. I'm, I, I'm, I'm lost, Father, and you're my compass. And I, for myself, for being big-headed like I was and thought I knowed all about it, I, I'm not worthy to live. I should be lost. I should have to stay out here for days and eat archivine to live. But think of my poor dear wife. She's innocent, and my baby will die tonight. And the only child we have. If I ever and spare their lives for pretty near wild at this hour, here it is almost dark and I'm lost, Father, totally lost. Won't you help me? See, the natural thing to do if you're sick, just like the natural thing I would have done. The natural thing I would have done been get into a cave and build me a fire and wait till morning. Or the storm is over. The natural thing you do when you're sick is go to the doctor and see what he can do for you. But I couldn't go into a cave there was an emergency on. And you can't go to the doctor because he's done said you're going to die. There's nothing can be done for you. There's an emergency on. Then what is he? Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide a sacrifice and God is in our presence. He's the present one. In the need of help, he's there. 
Lord, is our refuge and strength a very present help? Or we might turn this way, very present, always present to help in time of trouble. We might make it like the Lord is our refuge and strength, always present to help in the time of trouble. And there we was. There you are tonight, the same thing. Somebody's very sick, the doctor's has given you up. Now, if the doctor, you can't go in the cave, emergency zone, then that's God that's speaking to you tonight. Then I'm uh, your strength and the very present help now in the time of trouble. I knelt down and prayed. I got up. I thought, well, now I've prayed. I've asked you, God. That's all I can do. You promised me if I ask, I shall receive. You promised it, and it's for a worthy cause, not for me, but for someone else. And I, and I, just like you say tonight, Lord, maybe I haven't lived as close as I should, but if you'll heal me tonight, I'll live for you the rest of my days. If I can't do no more than pass tax, if I can't do no more than testify, I'll do everything I can if you'll only make me well. He's our refuge and strength and a very present help when trouble is on. So I got up. That's all I could do. I said, now, Lord, I'm starting this away. I believe I went come this away. This is the best of my knowledge, my knowledge. I come this away, and I'm going straight to this way, believing that the voice that was speaking in my ear, which is gone now, saying, the Lord is our strength and refuge, very present help in time of trouble. I believe that it was you, God, and looking through these piles as the winds are tearing them and whispering them, to there, I believe beyond that, somewhere, is an angel of God following me through this forest. And there was. He was with me. Yet it never manifested itself. That's years ago, about 16 years ago. And I was going along through there, walking like this, and I felt somebody go on my shoulder. I turned to look who it was, and just then, the fog cleared away. Uh, far up in that bushes, I seen I was going straight into Canada, the way I was going, my knowledge, and here was Hurricane Mountain, right here on the, on the other side, yeah, I was passing right by. I pointed myself directly like this, I raised up my hands, and I said, oh, great God, you're supposed to be to you raise your hand on my shoulder. You are my strength and help, a very present help in the time of trouble. I set my face, I said, it's getting dark. I must keep my course. I mustn't vary no matter what gets in my way. If I ever miss that, now that summer I'd help the ranger put up a telephone wire to go through the tower back down to where the lean-to was made. And from there we hunted. I thought if I could ever get to that telephone wire, I can find my way down then. But I'm set towards here, came out. I can't twist around here because there's too many hills and ravines and this fog, I'd never find it. I've got to go straight to that tower. So I started walking with my hands up, praising God. Got dark. I couldn't see any longer, and the wind blowing and twisting. Not going up over hills and down through rough places. No matter which way you lead, keep going Calvary. Keep looking. She may get rough. You may sit and fall, but keep going towards Calvary. Just keep moving. Now I got up. I thought it ought to be about the high. It's dark now. I put up my hands like this. I know the water was just about this high. I thought, oh, if I could only feel that water. If I can feel that water, it's my only hope right now. I can't, my arms get so tired, I couldn't hardly walk. I put this one up and rest this one. Walking through those bushes and around these trees and that snow in your neck and everything, I'm moving like this. I said, God, all that's on this earth laying dear to me as at the end of that water. If I can only find the water. 
And I was holding my hand like this, and I put this one down, never move a step, move back to the shore. Didn't you? Oh, that's the way we want to go to Calvary. Don't lose an inch. I kept my hand up moving like this. I said, God, surely you help me find it. I'm coming straight as I know right across this hill. This is the way you pointed me. That's where you say to the Word tonight, you said you was the healer. I got my hands up. I'm coming straight. That's the only thing I know to do. It's up to you to take me to healing. It's only you to lead me to the sacrifice. And here, I had my hands up. It's late. I was moving along. I was beginning to give just a little fainted heart. Saying, oh, have I crossed over? I went to a few low places. I thought, oh, I'm not going down here to Tyler Mountain. Surely I kept my hand up like this, moving along through them bushes. Not a ray of light, no word the storm ripping and blowing and twisting it real cold, ice freezing, and everything is snow and rain mixed together, fog. And I was moving like this, hitting my hand. First thing you know, I caught something. I felt it. It was the water. Oh, what a feeling! I, I knowed when I held on to that wire. I thought I'd go right down this hill, moving slowly. I'm moving slowly. I'll never take my hand off that wire. For at the end of this wire lays what I'm asking for, where my wife and baby's laying at the end of this telephone wire. I'll not let my hand loose from it. I'll follow it right on through. Till I, and I did it and arrived there to find him with a little fire built down there and everything all right. Brother, tonight, Jesus Christ is the very present help in a time of trouble. If you're sick and the doctor can do no more for you, raise up your hands. Look up to God until you touch that little live electric wire yonder that says it's finished. No matter how many unbelievers and doubters and churches and everything else you have to bypass, hold on to it, or it's the one that leads you to your deliverance. God bless you. Keep your hands up. Keep moving tonight. Hold your hands till you touch the line. Hold your hands of faith up till you feel something touch it that says it's finished. Then follow that. Follow that. It's finished. You've got his words that he'll lead you to victory. You, by faith you can be healed. Anybody believes can be healed. Hold your hands up till you feel the faith of God pouring in you. Then follow that. The Lord is our strength and refuge, a very present help in a time of trouble. Shall we pray? Father, there is an emergency on tonight with the people. You are the Lord, our strength, and a very present help in the time of trouble. Oh, God, may hands of faith lift up tonight. Seriously speaking, not just the natural arm, physical, just a few inches long. The Father may that arm of faith go up that'll go beyond this old sin cursed world. That line of faith that'll reach beyond the moon and stars until it touches his garment up yonder. And may there come a voice from heaven saying, I'm the Lord that healeth thee to confirm my word. I am Jehovah Shammah, a very present help in the time of trouble. I'm here to help you. God grant tonight that we are not self-sufficient. We can't bluff our way through and say, oh, I'll just get better by and by. No, Lord. You're our refuge. We take to you. It's you we trust and you we believe. Now will you come, Lord, 
throw out a little lifeline here tonight by doing something or another that would be so different to the people that maybe have never been in the meeting before. Do something like you did at Emmaus. Do something a little different from what the ordinary healing meeting is or the ordinary service so that they can see that the Lord Jesus, who raised from the dead, is here with us tonight to grant unto us the desire of our hearts according to his riches as he's died to purchase this far. We ask it in his name. Amen. I was a little longer than I expected to be talking to you. I just get to talking and I just can't get away from it. Now, do you believe he's here? Sure he's here. Now, what can he do tonight? Here's his word. Here's his people. His presence, I feel it here. Now, there's only one thing to do. The only thing that he can do now is get you to believe it. Is that right? Now, he's done his part. It's your time to believe. Now, we're going to call a prayer line here to pray for some people. Shouldn't have to do it, but it's customarily that we do it in our services. Now, there's nothing about the eyes of before healing. There's nothing that any person on the earth could be tortured. Not a thing. A doctor might cut the bone. He might cut a growth away. He can't heal it. The only thing he do is cut the growth away. Who's going to do the healing now? Hmm? He might cut your arm, but who's going to do the healing? Take God. Psalms 103 said, I'm the Lord and healeth all of our diseases. All healing comes from God. No healing comes from no other resource but God. No man can heal, never did, never will. Healing comes from God alone. God is life. Now I want to ask you something. You said never did come from anyone. Jesus never healed anybody. That's what he said. He said, I can do nothing in myself. He said, the Son does nothing. But what he sees the Father doing, that does the Son likewise. St. John 5, 19. Is that scripture? Jesus said, the Son does nothing. He can do nothing in himself. Just what he sees the Father do. What did Jesus do then? He was possessed with power to see vision. He could see what was taking place. He told the woman at the well where her trouble was. He told Philip, where he or Nathaniel, rather, where he was at before he came to the meeting. He said, told him different things by power of vision. The woman touched his garment, ran out in the audience, and stand out there, knowing Jesus turned and said, Who touched me? What did he say there? I perceive that I have gotten weak. Is that right? Virtue, which is strength, has gone from me. He said, well, everybody touched me. He said, yes, but I got weak. Saying it in an English interpretation. I got weak. Something happened. Virtue's gone from me. He looked around, perhaps saw a vision. I don't know. That's what he said he did. Looked around and seen a vision over the little woman. When he ran my eyes once to pierce that woman, she knows she... Not just through the apostles' age, or through St. Francis' age, through Wesley's age, I'll be with you to the end of the world. Jesus Christ is saying, yesterday, Dan, I believe it, friend. Now for the newcomers. If our Heavenly Father, who I tried to speak about tonight of what he was, wrapped in his redemptive name, if he will come tonight in the form of his Son, the Lord Jesus, and do what he said he would do, come here to the platform and take over humble people, not only me, those out in the audience, those humble people who will sit and say, Yes, my Lord, I believe with all my heart. 
Then the same Holy Spirit that was up on our Lord Jesus, when he told us we'd be baptized with the same baptism he was, or same Holy Spirit, will come up on his poor unworthy servant and will turn you around. Nothing that I know about. He said, I earn all these to you who's got so-and-so. You that's got so-and-so, you will be, you, you, you did this and you did that and, and, and you, you, you'll straighten this up if you'll do that or so forth. Or the people come on the platform and tell them, would you accept it and say, I believe it would be the Lord Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Would you do it if you would raise your hand and say, I will believe it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you. May the Lord bless you now. Billy, what called Jesus? Be. But see, we call, when we had prayer on two nights ago, we recalled from the first seven men, didn't we? All right, let's take about the last seven men. Let's begin with the prayer card, uh, say, what do we usually get, around 20, 15 to 20? Well, let's call 15 of them, man. Say 85, 95. Let's call from 85. Now, who has B85? Would you raise your hand? B85, raise your hand. 85. Who has 86? All right. 87? All right. 88? B88? Would you raise your hand? Ever who has B88? Ever who has B88, would you raise your hand? Thank you. Is this it right here, ladies? 89? Who has B prayer card 89? Would you raise your hand wherever you are? 89, thank you. 90? B prayer card 90, is it in the building? 90? All right, then 91. Who has 91? All right. 92, 93, on up to 100. Just come right on out and take your places for a few many That looks like. And then maybe we, if we can get that through in time. If I'm just not worn at that time, brethren, let me say for some more. Depends on what our Lord Jesus does. Now, how many out there does not have a prayer card, but you want to be healed? Raise your hand. God be with you. Help you and bless you is my prayer. Now, if you do not have prayer cards, now while they're lining them up, I want to pray for these here in this box. Thank you, Billy. Shall we bow our heads just a moment? Kind, loving Father, in this box is handkerchiefs going to the needy, the sick, and the afflicted. Mothers, fathers are waiting for them. Brothers, sisters, little babies, sick and needy. Blind, afflicted, crippled. Oh, how they are longing to have these handkerchiefs returned to them. We're so thankful, Father, that we have found grace in their eyes through you that they believe that we had asked you, they get help. We're not worthy of that, God. I'm not. I pray, God, that you'll not look at my unworthiness, but will look at those poor sick people that we're trying so hard to bring your son Jesus to them. When these hands are placed upon their bodies of the sick, Father, in Jesus' name, thy son, may the sickness depart, grant it all. May they be liberated from these things and be made completely free. Now, you watch the people when they wrote the letters. You're looking at them now. And you'll see them when they're returned. Now, may the angel of God, whose presence is here now, stand with every one of them. 
when they're laid upon that sick people, may they recover quickly. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for the glory of God. Amen. Amen. I would ask if you would be just as reverent as you possibly can. I trust that you do realize what this is all about. Would you just think now? Where I am standing here, just a man. God knows. And here's a line of people, 15 or 20, ever what lined up there? I think it was 15. Maybe one or two of them missing. But there they are, and perhaps two more. Here sits at least. 1,500 people, I guess, close to it, sitting here before me. There was at least a thousand hands of them went up, but they were needy. And here I spoke about Jesus Christ tonight, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I imagine standing here. The audience of this size, you're bound to have critics sitting around. You're bound to have people with little suspicious faith. You feel it. You can feel it when the Spirit goes to settling, you can feel it. But I'm so thankful it's your way low ebb. Faith is predominating, has been and ever meeting within in here. That's right. I wouldn't say there is a critic setting present. It may be someone just suspicious to say, well, I, I'm just wondering. See, if that person only knew what a test that had and what an influence it had, then you'd say, no, I burdened. I was a Lord, that's why I'm hungry. Now, that is our Lord Jesus was standing here on a platform tonight, and he was standing right where I'm standing. Now, what did he do? Now, let's not, let's not look at it from, the, from our own thoughts. Let's look at it from the Bible time. Now, the first thing he said, I can do nothing but accept my Father's children. And what did he, what was he? He was Jehovah's provided sacrifice. Is that right? You believe he was Jehovah God? He was God's provided sacrifice. Then when he died, he died there. He was wounded for our transgressions, is that right? Wounded for our iniquities, striking of our teeth upon With his stripes, what happened? We will be, we were already, we were healed. Will we be saved? We already were saved. Yes. See? You never got saved just two years ago or ten years ago or twenty years ago. You got saved nineteen hundred years ago. You just accepted it two years ago or three years ago. Your healing's already complete. You just have to accept it. That's because he said, if thou canst believe. Now, here's a lady sitting here just a patient. This lady here, I never seen her in my life. Put yourself up here now as a Christian to face this woman. Put yourself up here as a Christian to face the audience. Then you better feel secure that the angel of God is standing near. Right. Now, what if in that line stands critics? That may be where pressing is, pressing to feel. What if it is? Then perhaps they will be struck by the platform with the disease that they're pretending to have. What if some critic sitting out there and a disease is passed away and then it goes out into the audience? That critic will have the disease. How many knows that's true? And how many have seen it so many hundreds of times in our meetings? 
Sure. Many of them getting insaneness to teach in the lane afflicted and everything. How about that guy right that come in to hypnotize me right now? He's still paralyzed. It's been nearly four years ago, and he's still laying paralyzed. Hypnotize. They go around these army camps and hypnotize people and things. Make them bark like dogs and so forth. But you can't play with God. Yes, sir. That's right. Just be ready. Be in prayer now. Just now the Lord bless all right. Now in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, for the glory of God the Father, and for the representation of his Son, Jesus. I now put every spirit in here under my control for God's glory. How you just come up here, if you will, Katie. We're first tonight to be talking to, and it was, um, it was making it pretty rough the first person. <laughs> so it's um, that way why sometimes it takes me a little bit of time before I, it starts to know I'm just a man. You, you're aware of that. Yeah. Uh, I'm just a man. But he is the Lord. Now, if he was standing here and you had something that you needed or desired, now, if it's anything that belongs into the atonement, what belongs into the atonement? Anything you have need of. For he fulfilled everything that we lost in, in Adam. He fulfilled it in his vicarious suffering at Calvary. Therefore, he paid the full price. Now, everything, he said, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive it, you shall have it. Now, if he was here and was talking to you, the only thing that he could do now tonight is you'd say, well, maybe you say, I have need, I'm about to lose my home and I've got to have some money to for my home. Well, he'd tell you, do you believe it? Yes. And he'd tell you, if you believe it, you'll get it. If you say, well, I have been so mistreated and my enemies are, are overwhelming me or something like that, you say, forgive them and they'll come to you. But what if it was a disease or maybe something wrong in your life, some immoral act or something? You'd know it. But as far as it was for healing, he could tell you what was wrong with you, but he couldn't heal you because he's already did that. You understand that? That's right. Well, then if he's, if he's here, and I believe he is, then he'll surely answer in the same manner one. You believe that, Christian? I just don't be in any hurry. See, just be reverent. The woman is really sick. For the dark shadow hangs between me and her. You're ready for an operation, aren't you? That's for tumors. It's under your arm. Serious. Only God can help you. That is the truth, isn't it? Can you believe now? And he's here to help you? Let's bow to him. Father God, 
In the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus, I lay my hands here where a knife is to rip. If it failed to find the little place, the last of it, Satan would come out and back like a roaring eye. But you know, right where that is exposed, I get the platform. Almighty, graceful God, spare the life of this woman, will you please, Father? If she knows that she's standing here in the presence of something that knows her, it's you, God. Hear the prayer of your servant. It's been said in the Bible, the affectional, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Just look at the man and women in here praying for her at this time. Oh, God, please, in Jesus' name, spare her life and let her live. And we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, sister. Now it's a little different. The lady there was to be first just in a few moments when she realized that it was where she was standing. She could tell the effects it had on her. You can realize it now. That it's not your brother. I'm just a man. I have never seen you in my life. Perhaps you've never seen me. We're just strangers to each other. Isn't that right? If God will help me and will tell me what you're here for, if you're suffering or whatever it is, if he'll just reveal that to me, and you accept him as your healer, that's all I could do with the divine gift. Will the rest of you out there say, I'll, this woman, this is our first meeting time, is it, lady? That's true, isn't it? That is true. We know nothing of each other. No contact, no nothing. We're just total strangers. And here we are meeting. Now look, <coughs> friends. Can't you, you understand what this, what I mean? Now, if something has to be here, some way I have to have of knowing about this woman. If anything is said, I can't do it. I'm just a man. That looks like a healthy woman. It may not even be a health for all I know. But, and again, it may be. I don't know. But if the Holy Spirit will come and just say to her, now, as far as healer, if it's sickness, I couldn't do it. I have no power to do it. No one else does. It'll have to come from God. Now, you believe that this is his word, don't you? You believe that he raised from the dead, don't you? You believe that he said the things I did, so will you. He said, I do nothing for the Father shows me. And the very things that he did would be standing here tonight, as far as if it's sickness, the healer, he couldn't. He's already. The only thing he could do would be just some way to get her to believe it. Is that right? How many know that be true? Just some way to get her to accept what he has done for her. Well, then, if it would be for this woman, wouldn't it be for the rest of you out there also? Just the same? That's all he wants you to do is believe. That's all I'm trying to get you to believe. Preacher wants you to believe because he's preaching the word. I, by this divine gift which was given privately by God at my birth, all my life it's been that way perfect every time. But don't you see, it's God trying to get you to believe. I hope you see my lovely children. 
between me and the woman, I see her moving in a kitchen or something. It's at a table. She can't eat. She's got stomach trouble. That is right. Now, isn't that right what he said? Now, if he's here and a stranger and know all, know what was your trouble, isn't that enough to make you believe? Is that enough to make you all to believe? But now, see, now if I talk to the woman longer, you tell him probably something about her young life or something like that. You see, would you all, not to, if God will, see, if God, I could say he would, but if he would, would it just double encourage you? If it would, just raise your hand and say, just double encourage me. Now, may God grant it. I can't say he will. I just want to talk to you. What was it was wrong with you? What was it? A stomach trouble. Yes, a stomach trouble. Well, then, if he uh, healed your stomach of the disease in your stomach, he is wonderful, isn't he? He's, he's lovely. And uh, you love him? He's just wonderful, isn't he? The lovely Lord Jesus. And we're looking to him now. When the woman at the well stood and talked to Jesus, he carried the course. He said, bring me a drink. She said, well, it's not customary, Jewish. And what are you descent? Uh, Spanish? Mexican? Not also. And he said, uh, that's something like this then, isn't it? About the same way. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes, lady. You got a brother that's sick, and he's uh, got some kind of spells or, some, or heart attack. He holds his heart and he falls. I've seen. I thought it was epilepsy, but his heart spells. He falls with the attacks of his heart. You were talking to him, and you're persuading him. You're persuading him to be baptized to become a full Christian. That is the proof. Father God, to the poor little weeping woman standing there knowing that the Lord Jesus, who we speak of, is present now. Our refuge, our strength, our present help in a time of trouble. God be merciful and grant to her the desire of her heart. Whatever those things were, Lord, it's not correct. Correct them, Father. As your humble servant, and your spirit is on me now with anointing, I lay these hands upon her and ask the Father God, through Jesus Christ, to grant to her the desire of her heart. Amen. Now, sister, you just have to receive what you've asked for, don't you? You see, you caught a hold of the line now? Just follow it home. Amen. God bless you. Have faith. Right. Jesus said, I have faith in God. Right. I see something moving up and down like this over in here. This keeps moving. It's a call something. It's somebody marking something. Or it's a, it's a doctor. And he's examining a woman, and she 
It's, it's just color ladies sitting right down here. She's suffering with low blood pressure sitting right down there. God bless you. Now you can go home, be well. Follow that line if you just ain't stuck. It'll take you to deliver. Amen. Amen. You believe now the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, His presence is here, the woman is there. See, the only thing you have to have is believe. See, not me. I haven't seen a woman in my life. I don't know nothing about her. God knows that. But her face contacted the Spirit. See? And what did he do? Just the same as the woman had a blood issue. Turned around in the audience and said, Thy face is saving. That's it. God bless you. Just have faith. Lord bless you, lady. Lord be merciful unto you. It's my sincere prayer. We are strangers to each other, I suppose. We are. And do you believe that the Lord Jesus is just the way I represent him there in the Bible, that he raised from the dead and the lovely Son of God? You believe it with all your heart. If the Lord Jesus will reveal to me what is your trouble, then will you accept him as the healer of the trouble? If it is that, will you do it? You will. God bless you, mother. Which you are a mother. You are. Now your life could not be healed. I have contacted your spirit in your life. And you're here for me to pray for you with a high blood pressure. You had high blood pressure. And you've got something that I see him looking at your knees. It's, uh, the, uh, it's the water from under the kneecap is out. That's right. Isn't it? Now, if he can reveal that, he can heal you, can Sure, yes, ma'am, certainly. Isn't he lovely? To help this poor woman? What's he trying to do? Make her believe. Raise up her faith. Be real reverent, everyone, please. Perhaps you're toxic the moment, Mother. If you want me to talk to you a minute? All right, I'll talk to you. All right, now I want to ask you something, then. If you believe me to be his servant, now you believe that God can speak to me and tell me what, 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 what you want, what, what your other desires. I see what it is right now. Yes, sir? It's for uh, a son or a grandson. It's a grandson. And the boy's real jittery. He's all upset. He, he's, a, he's been in a war. He was in Korea, and he got wounded, and he's come home, and he don't have any job, and he's all upset. That's the truth. Yes. Go home. He's going to get his work and your heat. Believe on the Lord Jesus. Oh, have faith. You forget what to ask for. 
If you don't have faith, you can't have nothing. For with faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, the ladies are stranger to me. Is that right, lady? Well, please be as reverent as you can. We'll close in a few minutes. I don't want to bore you with long meetings, but I'm trying to take my time on these people to see if it'll build faith in the audience. Don't move around. Please don't. See? Spirit is setting, coming from one place, one place, like this, and just switching and moving. It just upsets me. It just, it just makes me weaken that much quicker. Now, just a moment. Now, can you, sister? We be strangers to each other. We don't know one another. Never see each other in life. But do you believe that the Lord Jesus is here to help you? Um, you're here for somebody else, mm -hmm. and they don't live here. They're from uh, Duluth, and then you have uh, you, you you this person has got arthritis and can't get up. And there's something about a soldier. He he was a soldier. That's what it was. And he he got hurt on a horse, hurt himself. Well, that handkerchief that's in your hand while the Holy Spirit is on you, take that and lay it on you. Stop that. You believe all things are possible? There was something about a soldier a few minutes ago, and there's a soldier there. And I thought it was a, a, that still in, uh, repeating back, and that's the reason I, I watched to see where it was at, that it was, uh, that it was different. A lady sitting there looking at me right there. You have arthritis, don't you, lady? A lady sitting there a little round thing around her hat on the end of the row there. You want the Jesus to heal you at that? You believe he will? With all your heart? The lady say next to you has arthritis too. And your body with something there sticks up in your mouth. Oh, it's gall. Yeah, isn't that right? Yeah, that's right. Put your arms, your hands on one another there. You all lay your hands on each other. Lord Jesus, thou seest these things. Now I pray that you will heal her and make her completely whole, both of them, Father, for your glory in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Sitting right back there praying, I see a light standing over your body with a bladder trouble, lady. You believe you're sitting in that little brown looking dress on, looking at you right here. That's it. You have a bladder trouble, didn't you? I said, didn't you? You don't now. Mm -hmm. Way back behind you, another lady with a brown coat and has a stomach trouble. She wants to be healed, too. You believe, ladies, sitting right on back behind the gentleman there looking at me, right straight back here. 
Yes, with your hand up, little green sweater eyes on. No over here, sister. Right here. No, stand up, lady. You're right, sister. Sit on the end of the row there. That's right, with your hand up. There's where the lights are standing. Right there. Stand up and accept it right now while you have the chance to accept it. That's right. God bless you. Head off where you're coming. Fall down now. Your face feels. God grant you to come closer, speaking like when you're far back. A little lady sitting right there in your wife, pointing right across. I thought it was over her. I just over her again. But I see something. Lady with her hand up. You put your hand up. Stand up. Put that bright, red looking hat on. Yes. I thought it was a little lady sitting in front of me, but it's you. Oh, it's gallbladder trouble. That's what it is. Yes, I see it now where he's examining for gallbladder under the ribs there where them pains are. That's right. Go ahead, hand now. Jesus Christ bless you, my sister. Do you believe? If thou canst believe, all things are possible. The lady sitting right down in here was suffering this female trouble. Just have faith in God, lady. That's all you have to do. God will grant you healing. That's all. You, yes. Stand up on your feet. Now you can go home and be well. God bless you. This lady here was suffering this female trouble, too. That's where them demons are pulling back and forth. She has female trouble. That's right. See, that spirit is moving back and forth. There was somebody out there just saying that she was stomach trouble because you had stomach trouble too. That's right. You have an infection, they said in the female veins, the doctor told you. Infection. That's right. See how demons pull into one another? How you can recognize them? Now, here's the thing you need worse than all. You need Jesus as your Savior because you're not a Christian. You're an unbeliever. Not an unbeliever, but you're, you're not a Christian. Will you now accept him knowing that you're standing in his presence? Will you now accept him as Savior? God is this wandering child coming home tonight. This affliction laid here to bring her to the foot of the cross, and now, Lord, forgiver of every sin, healer of the diseases of her body, that she might be made well. May this blessing come on her, Father, and all sins remitted now, all habits gone, and may she be made completely whole as I bless her in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. The sins forgiven and I go rejoicing and be happy. Believe with all your heart. Now be reverent, please. Sister, 
Look here just a minute. Do you believe with all your heart? Well, your nervousness is gone now. You can go home. You feel quiet, I don't. <laughs> You're here. Jesus has made you well. Mother, would you like to know that old diabetes so you can really live right again and feel good? Do you believe Jesus is going to heal you? If I lay my hands on him and ask, will you, will you get it? Of course, you see this eczema are breaking out, but that, the main thing, the hidden thing, is the diabetes. Lord Jesus grant the request of our scripture in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Ask it. Go believing with all your hands and forget what you ask. You believe in the cross that you have hanging on you, the crucifix of the Lord Jesus, hangs exactly where your trouble is. Your stomach. I believe what you want to Ladies' trouble of weakness, and you have diabetes also. You believe Jesus makes you well? God bless you, then go and may the Lord Jesus bless you. Your trouble's in your throat. The asthmatic condition causes you to cough, can't lay down, has to set up. You believe he heals you? Almighty God grant the blessings to this girl in Jesus' name. The greatest city trouble is interesting when you sit there and stop looking. Thank you. Quit taking insulin. You think the Lord made you well? Oh, thank Heart trouble, nothing's hard for God, is it? Do you see all kinds of diseases? God bless you this morning. You're over your life. Being happy. You had the same thing. So just keep moving. God knows you well. And you're going to make every person well in your children right now. You'll believe it. Will you believe it? Stand to your feet just a minute. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in a time of trouble. The crisis is on. The body is on. Raise up your hands and touch your eyes on now and move home with it in Jesus Christ's name, ladies.